0: Hello, dear listener, to the second episode of the Anime Pulse podcast presented by Japanime Games. I am your host, Brother Ming, and with me today is my lovely co-host, Eric Zerain, and of course, our first guest of the show, Marco DeSantos from Level 99 Games, publisher of my favorite board game of all time, BattleCon. Marco, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners today?
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Marco, also known as Mechanicritic. You may know me from a bunch of Level 99 Games stuff. I think the... Problem here is you're asking me what I do. That's kind of hard to say. Uh, <laughs> I do everything.
0: Yeah, I'm asking because I literally don't even know what you do. Uh,
1: okay, uh, I guess most of it is social media management, community management, and playtesting. testing, though. You know, organizationally wise, uh, it just says community manager. So I'm a community manager for Level 99 Games. There you go.
0: You're also the host of Level 99 Games' uh, own podcast.
1: Ah, yes, indeed. Where I am one of the main hosts of the new Level Cap podcast. Not to be confused with the Level Cap podcast, because we kind of leveled up after 99 freaking episodes. So I'm here to bestow some knowledge about anime i guess
0: i i don't think i know more about anime than either of you so oh no you'd be surprised at how little i know about anime i just i just watch all the anime but i don't retain any of that as useful information so
1: well that's that's fine (laughs) that's just me with my college education
0: oof that's a hard burn uh so yeah it's really good having you i've always enjoyed watching your content personally and actually Onto that list of things you said about yourself, uh, Brad has endowed you with the title of developer as well, correct? Well, sort of,
1: maybe. He's just saying that, you know, if you're being the lead playtester on a thing, you're kind of a developer, but it's like, it's not. that's not on my business card. Neither is Lackey,
2: right? <laughs> Brad being the CEO of Level 99 Games?
0: Brad is the CEO,
1: right? He is the president god overlord being
0: of level 99 games ah that's what's on his business card (laughs) yeah indeed indeed anime that we're watching right now i want to jump right into it because the inspiration for the theme of the show is kaguya-sama uh eric i know last time you dismissed it as a comedy and it's just fine i strongly disagree with you i think it's the best comedy anime has produced in years.
2: Marco, do you know about this show? Have you seen Kaguya-sama?
1: Are we we talking about me? I've seen some of it, uh, it, but unlike Ming, see, I'm not mainstream trash. So so I don't watch all of these new fangled See, look, here's my my litmus test for being mainstream trash. If the anime you're watching can be found on Netflix, you're mainstream trash. So since Kaguya-sama is on Netflix, so you are mainstream trash.
0: Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. That's so sad. <laughs> Wait, but Devilman Crybaby is on Netflix.
1: It's still mainstream trash. It doesn't mean oh. that it's a bad anime, right? I'm just saying it's mainstream. I think it's bad. Oh, okay. I didn't like it. <laughs> Did you like uh, Devilman Crybaby? Well, you have to understand that I'm just a sucker for Japanese rap. So it doesn't have to be a good anime. Just give mm. me some Japanese rap, you know?
2: Oh, I think Evangelion is coming to Netflix. Like in the, the coming like month or two. So apparently if you watch Evangelion, you're mainstream trash. I mean at this point. Evangelion is the epitome
1: of like <laughs> uh no offense, but like it is the pretentious highfalutin mainstream anime that you pull out if you want to seem smart right (laughs) that's
2: how it used
1: to work you only watch naruto well i've watched evangelion i disagree greatly with that statement everyone and their dog has watched evangelion man
2: yeah 10 years ago when we were back on the forums on the bb boards and we were posting up about our sick anime takes yeah everyone there had seen evangelion
0: (laughs) that's true 10 years ago that was how it was
2: but you talk anime's (laughs) like rapidly expanding and these new fans like new members of the community they're not going back and watching old recommended shows
0: until it comes to netflix then then it becomes mainstream (laughs) trash right (laughs) right now it still has some uh modicum of uh hipster it's it's the black mirror of of anime it's it's the show that you pull out to seem smart when it's just also garbage
1: (laughs) I mean, hey, hey, that's not that's not trash on Black Mirror. I will too, trash that on UK. that show all like, day. <laughs> we're the kind of people who trash on shows like Black Mirror but then spend our nights like watching Pop Team Epic, which is not of any like,
0: Whoa! you know, intellectual stimulation whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Well, if you haven't seen Kaguya-sama to catch you up, it's a it's it's a romantic comedy. Where's the
2: romance? Show it to me.
0: It's a romantic comedy.
2: <laughs> the
0: romance,
1: guys, you're it's it's between the main characters and gambling. <laughs> That's the romance.
0: No, no, you're thinking Kakiguri. Oh, you're right. That has no romance. Kaguya-sama: Love is War is currently airing and it is a romantic comedy basically where if you had L and Light from Death Note Except they were a boy and girl pair who were both on the student council and were in love each other, but they refuse to confess their love to the other first because in their minds, the first person to confess loses, because then the other person is in a position of power going into the relationship. Mm-hmm. So the entire premise of the show is these two people going super in depth of like next level analysis. Of uh trying to outsmart and outmaneuver the other person to get them to confess them first it's hilarious it's very it's very uh I want to say it's smart, but it's really dumb uh, but they make them look smart Don't forget that
1: the most important part of this show is a certain pink-haired girl with a yes
0: chica yeah. with amazing dance. So
1: and not just the dance man, but she's <laughs> she's the reason the show works, right? Because it's like yeah. if it was just the two smart people, it wouldn't work, but because Chica's there to be dumb 24-7. You
2: can't have comedy without a straight man situation. Like that's just all anime comedy at this point. It's like, oh, there's a couple straight men and then there's the wacky people. And so then they throw in the wacky people into the scenarios to generate quote comedy. <laughs>
0: Well, the reason why Love is War is the best anime comedy to come in years is because of its self-awareness and the memes. Man, this show has generated so many good memes. R slash anime memes is just dominated by it because this show like knows what it's memeing audience wants, and it just caters to it so yeah. hard it's i mean amazing. look you gotta give
1: people what the people want right cute anime girls
0: that act dumb exactly the show has no no etchy fan service it's just a meme fan service you know there was a there was a really dumb thing i saw where that screenshot of i raised that boy
1: yeah and then and then it just says they're like my pee, and then it's like hentai i'm watching it's like i raised that boy
2: <laughs> yeah i saw that, that was
0: a good one <laughs> There's so many good memes. But okay, so in episode 9, Kaguya gets sick because she stands in the rain and she becomes a little cat, 10-year-old, and she's adorable and takes over the internet and becomes best girl of the season. Chica wants to go visit. So they play a game of memorization, which is a classic card game where you just match up cards by their number. And Chica is not above cheating. So she uh, tries to put the cards in uh, different direct uh, angles based on their face value mm-hmm. so in like a clock face type of way so she picks up a card if it's a six she puts it back down face down but pointed in six o'clock direction because the backs aren't symmetrical and so the president catches up on this and then uses her own cheat against her and beats her nice and then he reveals her cheat at the end and like a gotcha moment was like ah oh, i knew you were cheating all the time but i use your own trick to beat you <laughs> Uh, and Kaguya-sama just pulls out a total Jojo's moment of like, <laughs> it's not cheating if you don't get caught. Yes. And this happens in anime all the time, I feel like, you know. Uh, so a couple of top in my head, Kakuguri is the one that comes closest. Uh, but there's also like Kaiji, Liar's Game, the one you've been recently really into, One Outs. Ooh, One
1: Outs. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so this there's this one episode in One Outs. So, so for people who don't know, One Outs is basically a baseball manga where the main character is a chronic gambler, and he spent, like, what, years in a gambling pit that essentially had a pseudo-baseball game called One Out, where it was just a pitcher versus a batter. Somebody throws the baseball, and whether or not the batter hits it is essentially what loses or wins the game, right? So it becomes an incomplete game of, like, bluffing and faking and reading people because you only have one shot, right? One mm. pitch, that's it. So what happens is uh, he ends up joining a minor league baseball team as their lead pitcher. And they're, I kid you not. So so he, he becomes part of the team. And his contract is that every time he outs a batter, he gains 5 million yen. And then every time he gives up a point to the opponent team, he loses 50 million yen. So there's this entire scene that happens that really blows my mind because... In the first three innings of the game, he gives up over 15 points to the opponent team. And so the manager's like, oh, yes, you've given up 15 points. That means that's times 50 yen. It's like, oh, it's over a billion yen or something. Aha, you're poor now. and You'll be my slave forever. And stuff like that, right? Because the manager hates uh, the, the main character. His name is Tokuchi. Uh, so Tokuchi's tokuchi's so chill he's like just purposely giving them points and nobody understands why he just randomly calls for timeouts at times that don't make any sense he takes forever to do pitches so people are like oh tokuchi's having a bad day you know he's he's not playing properly he must be tired because he's been playing so much and then he keeps doing it and doing it and the enemy team starts wondering why 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 and then he's like wait a minute when is he taking the breaks and timeouts? And then he notices that Tokuchi keeps looking at a watch before calling for timeouts, which means that he's calling for timeouts at specific times. He's wondering why, why, why? And then one of the opponent players says in like a you know a throwaway manner, it's like, oh, maybe he's gonna miss something on TV, and that's why he wants to take breaks at specific times. And then the the lead player of the enemy team goes
2: to
1: the TV, and then he runs <laughs> to the nearest TV, and he's like. Oh no, oh no, he runs back to his team and goes like everyone, you have to just swing the bat, get strikes and let him strike you out. Let him strike you out. Like, like don't don't let them do balls, don't let him delay, don't let him time out. Swing and strike out as fast as humanly possible. And his team's like, What the hell are you doing? How is that even a valid strategy? And then he's like, There's a typhoon coming, <laughs> and he knows that it's about to come. <laughs> And if it rains so hard, they'll cancel the game. <laughs> and a canceled game means all of our points go away. And then he's like, and then Tokuchi just stares at the entire enemy team and smiles. And they're like, oh no! And they all lose their minds. What? <laughs> it's- So apparently, he watched the news, knew there was a typhoon coming, and has been purposely delaying the game by striking people, by literally letting people ball and score and whatever. And the best part is this the enemy team now knows that they have to call time as soon as possible. So they try to strike, right? They immediately Mm. swing and strike. But then the entire next episode is just who can break the rules the best? Because Tokushi's like, oh, so you're just going to strike on every one of my shots? All right. Then I'm just not going to throw the ball. And then they're like, oh, no, he's not going to throw the ball. He's going to delay more time. Then what do we do? And he's like, oh, I know now. So even, before, even if he doesn't throw the ball, like one of the other players on the end... Can I make a prediction? Oh, yeah. Prediction time. Because
2: my strat, my strat would just be to start pegging oh, them. Oh, my wins. gosh. The you're, ball. Not,
1: you're not you're not wrong because here's what happens right uh so the enemy team just goes like oh okay i'll throw my bat or something and then like the ref's like that's a foul you're out and like he's like oh what do i do what do i do so he's like oh i know now and then he throws the ball at the opponent's pitcher and he's like that's a ball So it's like, it's just, they just keep cheating and cheating and cheating on top of each other. And it, it's just the most atrocious thing you'll ever see. Of course, they end up winning in the end. Not even, the, the game doesn't even get delayed or canceled because the manager pulls some strings to not cancel the game. And then Tokuchi's like, oh, so now that the game's not canceled, but the opponent team doesn't know that. That means they're just they're just going to keep giving up outs and we're just going to win because we're they're not going to even try to score anymore. That's
2: pretty great
0: genius absolute genius genius. oh man yeah this is (laughs) yeah that's what i'm saying so many of these uh oh just i do love this genre of set up intricate rules to games and then every the whole premise is just how to break them like if you watch Kakaguri, right it's every every episode is like it's like monster of the week but game of the week uh show but it's, they go pretty in-depth of explaining a very complicated and somewhat unique gambling game on some of the episodes. And it's just like, okay, but now ignore the rules because nobody's going to play by them. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's great. Absolutely true. So Which leads me into the topic of why I wanted to bring this up in anime. Because as anime fans, I am not ashamed to admit I am I wholeheartedly subscribe to Chica's philosophy of it's only cheating if you get caught. And uh, I'm not above a little bit of card stacking in my games. I'll admit that. And I Mm want to know if you guys are as well.
2: That's a a complicated question. So back in my my younger days, uh, me and Ming used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! a lot. Just a whole lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! And being the arrogant kid I was, I for some reason... I mean, I know the reason... I felt that I deserved to win. And so when anything went awry. You're the main character. Right. I'm the main character, right? I'm, a, I'm in high school and I'm the main character. I deserve the win. So that's how my brain rationalized it at the time. And like, so I would, I would, I, you know, I was in magic club in high school as well. So I knew a lot of magic tricks. I knew false shuffles. I knew all this like technique <laughs> to get around these things. And I would use that. Nowadays, I realize. Wait, what's even the point of playing if I cheat? Like, I don't even understand. Like, what was I even doing? I came to this for a fair game, and then I cheated the win. Why do I get any enjoyment out of this? And I think back on it, I'm like, I'm such a stupid child. <laughs> <laughs> makes, me, makes me feel so bad.
0: I don't feel bad at all. I thought it was fun. I think uh, cheating and not getting away with it was in of itself a micro mini game. And playing competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! I remember the day we were playing. You and I, we were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, in a car, in the back seat, and because you have to cut each other's decks after certain things, like you're like you uh, Golden sarcophagus, You start your deck, and then you hand your deck to your opponent. They cut it, and I remember I needed, I needed just a field clear, and Eric stacked my deck and put Dark Hole on the bottom. I got the deck back because I get to shuffle it again, and I saw <laughs> it on the bottom, and I immediately stacked it on top. <laughs> i got it in my head <laughs> and i played it oh and he got
2: God. so he was like bullshit i put that on the bottom <laughs> of your deck neck <laughs> the double cheats." you cheater, <laughs>
0: got you so i mean yeah i subscribe to the kakeguri chica philosophy the uh the loser who let himself get cheated is at fault uh but no, no, no. I agree. Maybe in, in modern board games, nowadays when I play board games, I certainly don't cheat. Uh, just because I'm better than everybody I play with, so I don't need to cheat.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh. The shame. Holy heck.
0: You know,
1: oh my god. My philosophy is a bit different. Because um, there's, a, there's a certain set of, like, if you've watched extra Mm. credits they do this really cool episode on i remember i know exactly what episode you're talking about yeah yeah on rules right and what rules necessarily Mm -hmm. mean and there's a difference between written and unwritten rules and i feel like i'm not okay with cheating that directly goes against written rules but i am totally okay with cheating that
0: doesn't necessarily go against unwritten right you know what i mean So um, If you get caught doing something, there's a penalty. That essentially doesn't mean that it's against the rules. It's just that there's a penalty for getting caught. Exactly. And that's that's totally fine, right? But there's
1: also the unwritten set of rules that you can just go against because it's not necessarily, you know, against the rules to do them. It's just that people don't really consider it. So, like, what happens when I'm playing chess and I just decide, like, ah, I'm losing. All right, I guess I'll haymaker my opponent in the face, (laughs) right? Like... Like, that's not in the rules of chess. There is no rule that states, like, you can't haymaker the opponent in the face, right? But in in a non-tournament setting, like, people can't say that you broke the rules. You probably broke the law because you just (laughs) assaulted someone. But, like, you you didn't break the rules of chess. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of okay with rules like that. Uh, I'm a kind of player who likes taking my advantages from things that aren't necessarily advantages or actions that the game deems to be
0: legal. Yeah, so like the Chica example, where you're playing memorization, where you pick up a card, and the goal of the game is to memorize the cards, right? So you can match them. When she places it back down, placing at an angle that gives her a reminder of what that card is. Would you consider that against the... The rules as written and the unwritten rules,
1: right? What would you categorize that? See, that's an unwritten mm-hmm. rule, right? Like that they didn't say in the game that the cards have to be placed in a specific way in a specific order, mm-hmm. right? So that's an unwritten rule, but it's just that everybody in their head thinks, huh, then the game would be pointless if you could like mark the cards. So therefore it should probably be that I can't mark the cards. But it's not written anywhere in the rules. It's just these assumptions that people make that allow that limits their Well, creativity in winning the game. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, Okay, so uh, I have actually a really good example of this uh, in a real modern board game, uh, Codenames. Uh, When me and my friends recently played it, I actually didn't even come up with this. My friends, uh, who I no longer play with because they cheat, came up with this method uh, of... uh, Because you get one word and one number. uh, If that word simply dictates location rather than meaning you can actually use that to draw which cards you want your team to pick on the board mm. which so for example instead of saying you know a bug three like three words that relate to bug uh but you want to want to just pick the first three cards you say first three uh which i yeah I like i i saw it. it happened in front of my eyes and they won and i was like well it's not in the rule book that you can't do this so i guess you're right, <laughs> and I <laughs> and then I left Nashville, and I don't play video games with them anymore. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, because they suck.
1: I mean, Eric, have you experienced something similar? Right, because when I played Taboo, I had something similar where my brother and I play this niche game called League of Legends that nobody knows <laughs> about. Uh, but when when you're with your uh, relatives who don't play video games. Like, every game of Taboo was just so easy because you could just relate it to a topic that nobody else well, knew. Well, they
2: can do that with things that you don't know, right? So if you know games and anime, then they should have a team that knows music or, uh, you know, movies. It's not your fault that they have no hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I that's definitely not cheating. The, the, the card thing in the memory game is cheating. Being just better than them at Taboo... Is not cheating.
1: <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Okay, okay. I, I, I'll I, take that. I'll take that. You know, but yeah, sanctioned cheating is also one of my favorite rule mechanics. Uh, if you've played games like Mao or uh, Flux, right? Ah. Or, um, or if you played Battlecon, uh, there is a sanctioned cheating character in Battlecon, so...
0: Have you ever played the card game
1: BS? Why don't you just
0: say the real name? Well, the card game, I think it's just called BS, I think. That's what everybody says. But... Oh, really? We call it bullshit where I'm from. So. Ah, well, I went to a prim and proper school, so. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. You, you calling my school not prim and proper? Oh, man.
0: Well, I mean, you did admit that your college education uh has not <laughs> granted you much education. So. No, no, no. There's a difference. My college education has not stuck.
1: <laughs> it's not the college's fault. It's mine. It's mine. I'm a horrible student. This guy's like, if you graduated cum laude, it doesn't matter, man. Like, you asked me. Me what a differential equation is or can i code in c plus
2: i'll tell you no man I Had this great opportunity and it hit me it just slid right off me oh no oh i forgot everything
1: <laughs> yes eric uh unfazed it's like i got my diploma this is all i needed everyone uh i guess that's me cheating this education system if you really think about it i have all the credentials of a college graduate but none of the skills
2: <laughs> so. so that's like secret roles so I actually hadn't heard of those two games. The only cheating board game I knew about was Monopoly Cheaters Edition because I saw it at my local Walmart, and I was like, Monopoly Cheaters nice. Edition. Guess I'm gonna buy it. It's... So what? What? How do you cheat? So basically, the way the game works is there's a deck of cheats that you can do. So an che- example of a cheat is like just steal money from the bank without anyone noticing. So just like reach over silently and just pick up the money and just like put it into your pile. And so during the game, there's five face-up cheat cards, and those are the five cheats that players are allowed to do. And when you successfully perform a cheat, you get a reward. But if someone calls you out while you're attempting to cheat, you get hit with a punishment that's on the back of the card. Mm. And it works pretty well in a mundane game of Monopoly because nobody's really paying attention to Monopoly because you're there for... It's Monopoly. Right, you're there for an hour and 30 Mm -hmm. minutes. So it's actually the most genius way to make Monopoly interesting is that you have to pay attention to what everyone is doing because you're like, <laughs> is he taking extra money from the bank? Because it's like, oh, I pass go, collect two hundred dollars, and you take you take three hundreds and you stick them in your piles. You got to watch that.
0: Yeah, you oh, can't yeah. disconnect.
2: So you that's disconnect. Yeah, yeah that's I a like
0: little that. bit different than what I was thinking of. Like, uh, so BS B- B- and other cheating games. I'm thinking. More like bluffing i think at that point essentially it's just you get you bluff something and somebody calls you out I'm like coop is very similar in the vein of bs which is you're only allowed to do certain things but you can attempt to do whatever you want as long as you're not caught yeah but i guess there's a difference between bluffing and sanctioned cheating and even then yeah. would you i don't know i guess the way if you if you if you mechanic eyes it mechanic critic it nice. uh that not it just also just bluffing? Oh my gosh. Well, there's a character in Battlecon
1: named Mark PTO. He is one of the older promo characters. And his unique ability basically just says, you may cheat in any way possible. Uh, that's, that's just the unique ability. You can change your life. You can move characters around. You can steal cards. You can use Monopoly cards. That's your cards. It doesn't matter. You can use Uno <laughs> cards or whatever. Like The, the, the thing is, if, if you get caught you suffer some penalty yeah uh i think there is a difference between sanctioned cheating and bluffing uh but then again here's the ultimate ph-
0: uh, philosophical question
1: if it's sanctioned cheating is it still cheating
0: that's a good point yeah that's just sleight of hand uh the game becomes a dexterity game that's uh that's a dexterity game expansion for battlecon oh yeah
1: <laughs> if you wanted a dexterity game of battlecon you know it, it, it exists you know what it's called mma right <laughs> Like just actually punch people. <laughs> that like, there you go. Dexterity battle. Fight. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think one point that we really need to bring up here is that if it's sanctioned cheating, then it's not cheating anymore. They just gamified the mechanic of like sleight of hand and bluffing. Sanctioned bluffing or games that promote bluffing aren't cheating either. They're just bluffing, which is a mechanic in the game that the game has decided to co-opt. So I think it's very important to understand that like, when we design games or that when we make games, the moment you try to capture an experience, the experience isn't always in its purest form, Mm -hmm. right? Like the moment you try to make a game that's about cheating then it's no longer actually anybody cheating because the game is about cheating, and cheating implies that the game isn't about
0: cheating to begin with. Yeah, right? that's exactly right. Like, Monopoly Cheaters Edition, I did see it a long time ago because they showed up on my Facebook feed as an ad because uh, they knew the tech target demographic real well. <laughs> uh, but when I saw it, I was yeah. when I saw that ad, I was like, this seems boring. This just seems like a regular game Monopoly for me. Like i am not above cheating in monopoly that's the only way you can win like
2: I, I think it's different so when you're saying something like oh when it's sanctionized cheating it's not really cheating but cheating is kind of a feel and you'll see that in kakagurui and like kaiji like when you're cheating you get this like sense of like concern and then like this huge rush of endorphins when everything goes according to (laughs) Kekaku.
1: Translator notes. So
2: in Monopoly's Cheaters Edition, when you get to flip over the card, and be like, I cheated! Get (laughs) rekt! And slam it down on the table. It really, it's it's better than cheating because it's cheating and then you get to let everyone know that you got to cheat. Like a, a bluffing game, you don't feel like you're cheating. You feel like you're bluffing. You feel like you're playing the game. But when you're bluffing to cheat when you're not supposed to, like when you're playing Go Fish, and someone's like, do you have a three? And you look at your hand of just a three, and you go, <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> go Fish! <laughs> and then he comes out and goes, you got a three?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to understand, though, that it's just packaging, right? Yeah. It's just the packaging of that mechanic. Because mm-hmm. if you really think about it, most of the time when you attempt to do the cheat... It is just you bluffing. You're bluffing that you're only taking $200. dollars
0: hmm Mm-hmm. Now, okay. In Monopoly Cheaters Edition, would it be cheating if you didn't cheat, but you flip over a card and just pretend like you cheated?
2: So that's not clarified in the rules, and I was wondering that much <laughs> <That's> myself. <fault. laughs> and I think... So I think that would be actual cheating in Monopoly Cheater Edition.
0: No, because see, immediately that's where my head went to when you described it. Now, if I did that, am I going against the experience of this package?
2: I would house rule it as allowed. I think uh, things that aren't in the rule book are up to the owner's discretion. So I would go ahead and give that
0: mm. a pass. Well, you wouldn't need to give it a pass if you never caught me, so all right yes yeah, so we have discussed at length what is and isn't cheating and we have not come to a consensus other than that it's a feeling that you have
2: <laughs> when it all goes according to keikaku I, that's my definition my in my definition cheating is a feeling it's a it's a it's a rush of emotion is the heart of the cards cheating yes <laughs> o- that's obviously a stacked deck my dude.
0: <laughs> I believe the heart of cards, which really just translates to I stacked the fuck out of this deck. No,
1: no, see, see, there's a misunderstanding. In the realm of Yu Gi Oh!, you didn't stack the deck. No, the
0: cards love you so much they stack themselves. Oh yes, yes. The cards oh, cheat. You for should have you. pulled that
2: in the car, Ming. When I put your dark hole on the bottom and you put it back on top, and you, and you played it, and I said, "What?" I put that card in the bottom of your deck. You should have said, "Hold the card." Hell yeah!
0: Oh Destiny yeah! My drop. deck didn't allow you to stack me. Yeah. Uh, the deck prevent. The deck saw you cheating. And it was like, "Nah, Ming, take care of us. You shall not disgrace this duel." You put us in the
2: good sleeves. <laughs> all
0: right all right so okay i i am okay with this conclusion it's always a topic we come back to but for the last segment of the show i want to move into uh, i think the best part of this entire podcast and the reason why i wanted to do it in the first place and that is marco what is your favorite anime of all time slash just favorite anime right now
1: all right, here's the here's the curveball for both of you. <laughs> Can you? I'll give you one guess as to what my favorite anime is.
0: Oh my god, I don't know. Uh, let's see. League of Legends.
1: No, League of Legends is not an ad. Well, it's a game. <laughs> what the hell are you?
0: League, League, League of Legends League? trailer. The,
1: the
2: trailer Le- two. <laughs> trailer number two came out in 2018. Yeah,
1: that League of Legends trailer about the esports LLC, where like there was an actual anime oh. music
0: video or
2: whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: No. Actually, there is there is an actual League of Legends anime made in China. Oh, I'm so
1: done. I'm I, yeah. There's I like
0: it. <laughs> it's like six episodes long. Uh, it's only voice acting in Chinese, and it's just about a kid who really likes League of Legends in college.
1: <laughs> that sounds amazing to me. I, it's I it's to very cute. That. That sounds alright. Very very cute. Okay, here's the curveball based okay. on based on what I've talked about, where I talk about Yu-Gi-Oh constantly, I talk about gambling anime and all that stuff. My favorite anime is Toradora.
0: Oh my! <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Really?
1: You're not you're not messing with me. No, I am absolutely not messing with you. My favorite anime of all time is the romantic comedy Toradora. I am well, not is, kidding you. You're friends with me on Facebook, You're friends with yes. me on Facebook. Yes. Look at my Facebook cover photo.
0: Oh my god. Oh, this is into my realm, though, Air. I think
2: I think my cover photo is Clanad. Yeah, my cover photo is still <laughs> Clanad from 2012. I'm sorry, your cover
0: photo's
1: Clanad. Okay, yeah. we're, we can't be friends anymore. People are like, Clanad's the best romantic comedy. Ever. No. No, it's Toradora. How dare all of you.
0: Yeah, Eric likes the uh, the highbrow, emotional, complex romantic comedies where I am totally away. Okay, what the, uh, the dumb was. Because, oh man, I actually really love Toradora. Uh, but I also liked uh, My Little Sister Can't Possibly Be This Cute.
1: Those are two different realms. Two entirely different. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> What's next? You're going to... You're going to tell me something stupid like, ah, yes, Young Justice is the best shounen anime that's come out.
0: Like, Hey, I i mean, I'd categorize those two in very similar buckets. They're both masterpieces of the romantic comedy genre. You have a tsundere, and then you have a older, straight-laced male protagonist.
2: <laughs> they
0: even look similar. No.
2: <laughs> no. How dare you? I'm so... Afraid. I was going to search on Mal for romance anime. I just wanted to see what the highest-rated romance anime was. and I don't know if it is highest-rated, uh, but it showed up as Sword Art Online.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anime was a mistake, and Sword Art Online, it was too.
1: What are you talking about? And uh, Sword Art Online is the best anime ever. It's the only
2: I thing am that ever Kirito!
1: The <laughs> <laughs> it only... Kirito is is me on the inside. I'm Kirito Ken, if you really think about it. While you were out there mastering your parties and drinking, I was mastering the blade. The like, dual blades. Come on,
0: guys. <laughs> Unlocked <laughs> secret ability dual wielding <laughs> Oh my god I can't I can't we can we not can, we, can, we can't venture into this we can't venture this we have to get back on track we got got twenty minutes to hammer out our third segment which is now we make Marco our guest's dream board game the board game version of Toradora Toradora the one of the first original tsundere waifu anime what do you think a perfect board game of toradora would be like see i feel like a perfect
1: board game adaptation of toradora would have to get into the ethos of what i believe to be what makes toradora so great and that's characters Mm. right like Toradora as a whole is all about very deep very you know very real and very three dimensional characters right like the main reason why i love Toradora so much compared to all of the other like you know sundere waifu anime in that generation is because you have fan service girl ami but there is a reason why she's fan service girl more than just that the show needed one you know what i mean like xernosukaima has that elf yeah. girl who's color green right and like she's just fan service girl but like for no reason other than she's fan service girl right but Ami is fan service girl because she uses her sexuality to manipulate people, because she feels insecure about herself, because she feels like that's the only way she can ever exert power over others, because she's never had friends, and so on and so forth, right? Like, there, there is a reason why these characters act in the archetypal ways that they do, right? Minari is Genki girl, but, like, there's a reason why she's Genki girl, and it's just a mask that she puts on because she can't survive without it. And,
0: you know, right? It's a good show. No, yeah. yeah. now that you're mentioning these things, it is. it is Hezebel Soerss. It's actually the first anime me and my girlfriend of eight years watched together, actually.
1: Yeah. Like on the surface, on the surface, right? It just seems like some sort of weird, romantic comedy with all these archetypal characters, but they are, there is a reason they all act this way, right? Like even they, they even eschew the entire harem part of it because even though so many girls end up liking him, uh ryuji only likes one girl and then he changes his mind once that's it. it it never becomes about oh i don't know who to choose oh there's so many cute <laughs> waifus ah. right. like ryuji never experiences that all he wants to do is clean study get with the girl that he likes and then the girl that he likes changes as he realizes the difference between infatuation and romance and love right so what's my perfect game? It has to explore the characters of Toradora in a, in a way. So I guess it has to be some sort of weird visual novel <laughs> with some cool mechanics. A visual novel board game. A visual game. novel
0: board game.
1: Yeah, so maybe my idea has something along the lines of like, the it's like some sort of weird Euro game where you accrue relationship points with characters and you unlock story beats with them as you
0: go through it or something like I that. I always have found um board games that explore relationships to be very very weird because to gamify relationships it's always usually the first thing that usually happens is to put a track or point or track system you know progression system on a relationship which I've always felt like is just incorrect like it just doesn't make any sense like you can't quantify a relationship in, in in that in a meaningful way right that way which is like why i think like visual novels has always done it so well because there's no points in visual novels there's just good ends and bad ends and choices that you make along the way that lead to those which i think i think if we had to if you had to have a board game that emulated characters uh maybe a single player experience where it is you know have you ever played any of those uh crime board games uh like uh lucky duck games has a really good one called Co- chronicles of crime uh, there's another one by portal games called detectives which I didn't think was as good but essentially it's you know you have all these story beats choose your own adventure style you draw cards the cards tell you you can go to other cards and you have to spend points right resources either time or like money to like access more cards uh, on the story path oh I like that yeah so something like that you know you have um a certain amount of energy and uh you know, you start off with your first card, you wake up in your bed, you're late to school and your toast, uh, is right next to you, right? What do you do? You spend one energy to round the door with the toast, spend zero energy and just be late. <laughs> uh- like you know, you
1: know here, here's another deal that I, I, I think would be really cool is Um,
0: You ever played Fog of Love? I have not. I've had so many good things about this game.
1: Right. So Fog of Love, for the listeners who don't know, is essentially a board game that tries to emulate relationships. And essentially, it's a board game where you and another player, so it's a two-player board game, essentially create a romantic comedy movie with all of the story beats of a romantic comedy movie. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I'm really being completely honest with myself, a Doradora themed Fog of War would just be the the ideal game, wouldn't it be, right? Like, one of you has to be Ryuji, and the other one has to be Taiga, I guess. And then you go through it, maybe? That would be cool. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, oh. it's all about... These kind of games are... Like, the, these romantic comedies are all about exploring the characters, right? And you can't explore a character with points, in my opinion. You can only explore a character with choices that you make that have just different impacts, uh, and that lets you uh, like understand. Hey, I made this choice over this choice because I am a character of this type, uh, right? So like you have yeah. like you can add resources to that system. And in a two player game, I'm not exactly familiar with how Fog of War operates, but I imagine it's certainly like you have to make choices that uh, make other things no, no longer available, right? What Fog of War does is
1: essentially like it deals you cards that essentially dictate your characters, quote unquote hidden personality so like maybe you're selfish or maybe you have a traumatic past or maybe you just want to become popular and stuff like that and these kind of have points on them so it's like you know if you're selfish you want to fulfill your needs and there's like a certain Mm. thing on a track that says needs or whatever and the thing about it is that when you're faced with questions it becomes the ultimate the ultimate choice in fog of love is do you make choices that will benefit only you or will you make choices that benefit you and the other player playing or will you make a choice that makes sense for both of your characters and it becomes this tug of whether or not you're in this for yourself or you're in this for the both of you or you're completely willing to give up everything about you just to make the other person happy
0: Uh, i can see where how this game works vaguely i'm looking at right now I, I think the crux of this game and the reason why it works is because you have these random attributes at the beginning. Uh, and it, with a with yeah. the fan game, you'd have to have the characters, right? So you wouldn't be able to truly incorporate. Like, you can't just deal a set of random attributes to the Taiga player. Tiger is Taiga.
1: Well, you could probably do, like, you know, you, deal, you have a set of random attributes that are all Taiga, mm. right? But in certain games, only some of them matter, mm.
2: right? Fair, fair. Is there a game that where you play a matchmaker? I no? I can't actually oh, think of anything along yeah. those lines. But if you were the divine spirit trying to devise these characters towards their good end, uh, I believe that could be kind of interesting. With like random from the show, kiss him, not me. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> oh boy, that's that's a even. I didn't actually finish kiss him, not me. Uh, <laughs> I mean. All you need to know is the premise, yeah. man.
1: All you need to know. I is watched the, the first
0: four episodes. Uh, I was into it, and just <laughs> it just got really boring really fast.
1: So I I, I feel like Eric's right, right? Uh, so so Eric, do you think that Toradora would be better off as like a like a matchmaker, your cupid, or uh, what's the name of that freaking movie with Will Smith?
2: Um, oh, My man. Robot. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Aladdin, <Easter>? 2019. <laughs> Hit. Hit. I robot <laughs> Eric there was a silence and I was like oh it's the first Will Smith movie I can think <laughs> of ah. and I first thought of Men in Black and I was like no it's not that one I'll just say the second one that comes to my mind
1: oh man. all right here's here's Scratch everything! My favorite anime is actually iRobot.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, there's actually there's actually a board game on Kickstarter back in early April 2018 called Notice Me Senpai that, that had 19 backers. I was one of them. Uh and didn't fung successfully. Uh but the premise of that game was uh Basically matchmaking. There was a bunch of senpais, and you're trying to matchmake the senpais with uh your character. Uh but I guess it's not really from the perspective of God. So if we're first saying uh Toradora. Okay. Okay, so we're moving in the direction of either a one or two player game, maybe cooperative, and you're just trying to make sure Taiga and you end up together. You have event decks, you have randomness RNG that's introduced.
2: Well, and- you have to make sure everyone gets their happy end. Right, so mm. the glasses guy and the Genki girl have to get together, and Ami also has to be happy doing whatever she well, was doing at the end of the show. No, but how that, many that- characters are happy? No, no, no.
1: Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. No, the the ultimate point is that. Toradora's experience is that your happiness usually comes at the expense of other people's happiness, right? Ah, like, the true. only reason Taiga and Ryuji end up together is because Minori willingly sacrifices her happiness for her friend's happiness. Kitamura's only reaches his natural conclusion because he decides to give up on his dream of chasing the class president in order to, you know, live on with his life, right? Like, like, I don't think it should be a game that you keep playing over and over again. I feel like it should be a game wherein, like, you spend a lot of it doing what you're talking about. Like, you're trying to make everyone happy, trying to gather everyone's happiness. But I feel like the conclusion of trying to make everyone happy should be that no one ends up being happy. And that trying to go for your own happiness makes your friends miserable. Because that's literally what they do in the show, right? They elope. They run away together. And it ruins everyone's time. Minori gets depressed. Ryuji's mom freaking realizes that her son runs away from home. And like they, they they it's it just ruins everybody's lives when they decide to do it in an immature way. So I feel like that's something you should try to under try to capture in that
0: game, right? Like you can't make everyone Certainly happy. for that then everybody essentially has to be a different character. It can't it, it would be one of those work together so somebody wins or don't work together and everybody loses. Oh, I like that. So you're all you're
1: all trying to achieve your happiness right. in some way. But then, like somebody ends up being happy and everybody ends up being miserable as a result, because usually that's how real life is. (laughs) There has to be a winner. There has to be a loser, right? Right.
0: So it's like you know, Dead of Winter, uh, for example. Everybody has your own, (laughs) your own hidden objectives, but and there's zombies. (laughs) And there's zombies. (laughs) Okay, no, Dead of Winter was a bad example. But you have your own objectives. You have your own character. You're representing a character in the world. For example, if you're playing the mom character. You know, There's a direct uh, inverse relationship to the distance of Ryuji uh, and someone else and your own happiness. You can affect that to make yourself happy. And so at the end of the game, perhaps the mom is the winner and everybody else is unhappy. Maybe somebody else gets to be happy too. Uh, maybe there's one or two players who can win. But ultimately, the idea is that in that situation, if everybody just keeps undermining each other, nobody can win. Somebody has to give up at a one point.
1: Oh. That sounds so good because I'm a sucker for those game experiences where you play them and they make you realize something about yourself or something about life, right? Mm. And if you're so entrenched in winning this game that you realize that the only way to win is to make your friends suffer, then you realize, oh, shucks, I'm a selfish asshole
0: person in real life
1: too, aren't I?
0: (laughs) Right? Well, I think, yeah, it could be just a straight up a game at the beginning where it doesn't tell you that... You're all gonna lose if you don't work together. But it just says, hey, you have your own victory condition, play the game. It, it could be an organic experience of finding out that, oh, if I just keep if everybody just keeps going for their victory condition, we all lose. And that's just how it is. And somebody who eventually the only way somebody wins is somebody just at a table matures up and says, I, I, I volunteer to lose so that somebody else can win. Oh my god, this that sounds amazing to me. Eric, would you would you
1: buy
2: this game? I definitely wouldn't buy it because it doesn't have monetary <laughs> uh, replay value. Yeah, I wouldn't. But either. as a <laughs> Brother me Productions print and play game that I don't have to pay any money for, mm. I might be interested in a play session.
0: That's true. All of my games are designed to be only enjoyed once. <laughs> I guarantee. Because once the novelty wears off, because once the novelty wears off and you realize that I'm just one person, then nothing is balanced. <laughs> There's no replay value to be had. <laughs> uh, but to be fair, I do feel like that's a space
1: in board games mm-hmm. that isn't explored much. Board games yeah. that end. You know, board games that have a natural conclusion. Well, that's not true. And there
0: was a whole generation of, uh, of, oh, what were they called? Um, legacy games? Legacy games, yeah. They they ended, it just, you never got there because it took too damn long. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly no but that's what i mean yeah. right like like it's it's not something people really think about when they buy board games they want board games to be endlessly replayable but if you really think about it how many times you have you played every copy of a game in your freaking collection <laughs> right twice, twice right yeah yeah so it's like why are people so scared to buy games that will take them seven sessions to finish right it's like it's such a weird space that we failed to talk about, yeah but uh, I think we're running on yes, time. Yes, we are.
0: We're right around hour, but we've come to a very nice conclusion of what a game about Torador should feel like, and I actually kind of like it. I might actually steal that idea for something. Uh, maybe something more modern.
1: You can't do better than Torador. Our, uh, Brother Ming Games, TM, TM, TM. if you steal this idea, it's illegal. And <laughs> oh, rest oh yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Says the guy who literally has DMCA's. <laughs> Gets his neck. <laughs> but... <laughs> all right eric cease and desist ming cease and desist yeah i'll issue a cease and desist give them a taste of their own medicine
2: reggie retired to try and find ming
1: (laughs) oh man all right all right ming if the moment we wake up tomorrow and we find
0: out that you've been killed by the disney mafia for
1: dmc claims
0: this is why i'll never make a kingdom hearts fan game despite how many people ask me to do I'm just like no oh, I'm not touching that
1: obviously just <laughs> no that's easy just kong dum Hirts. kong dum Hirts. <laughs> it's about oras and his friend yeah,
0: uh, fugi and naldo fork blades. Uh, <laughs> instead of keyblades it's all fork blades and you have to uh, uh eat the s- <laughs> eat the hearts eat
1: the hearts
0: <laughs> eat hearts <your salads! laughs> Oh, right, 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 right. Uh... Yeah, and
1: it's... Uh, yeah. You visit wonderful worlds like Shrek. <laughs> I don't know. Eat the onion. Peel the onion with your foreplay. <laughs> there's layers oh. there's lots of layers in this game you know like onions <laughs>
2: Oh my god!
0: all right well dear listener thank you so much for tuning into this week of uh the uh, anime post podcast presented by japan games uh thank you so much to marco De santos our lovely lovely guest uh marco would you like to take us out with any uh, shameless plugs you have
1: all right here's my shameless plug it plugs into a 220 volt output Outage? No, just kidding. Uh, I'm Marcus Santos, also known as Mechanic Critic. You can find me on the official Level 99 Games YouTube channel. You can also listen to me on the new Level Cap podcast. Just search for the Level Cap podcast on any podcasting app. And uh, you can also read my Space Jam
0: fan fiction on marcospacejam.com. Thank you again for listening, and if you made it this far, be sure to check out Japanime Games' current Kickstarter, which ends in 24 hours, the Domina Anthology. A collection of gorgeous anime board games designed by Yukinori Ohashi, a beloved game designer who originally published these games in Japan under their own company, Domina Games. Finally, brought to English by the incredible team at Japanime Games. Don't miss out on this wonderful collection. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give us a like, leave a comment, or follow us on social media at Brother Ming Games or Japanime Games. Thank you again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.